is for apples, they are delicious, and they're also very good for you. B is for balloons at your birthday party, that was a good one, everybody danced. C is for cookies, they are so tasty, but they're just a sometime snack. And D is for divorce that your parents filed for. Yeah, D is for divorce. They don't love each other anymore. E is for every time that you're with them. All they do is fight and fight all day. the frustration that you are feeling cause the pain inside won't go away G is for the good times that are over things are different now you have two homes and D is for divorce that your parents filed for is for divorce They don't love each other anymore D is for divorce They might say it's not your fault D is for divorce But you'll never really know for sure Dad is home, but it's just for visitation. It takes you back to his new bachelor pad and cries his eyes out on the couch. His mom has got. Sing la 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 And we sing la 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 D is for divorce Unnecessary, unnecessary, guy is so unnecessary.
welcome to Unnecessary Robots. I am your host, as always, Tiana Miller. And with me today, we have comedian musician Anthony Kafer. You just heard his song, D is for Divorce, which he uh, performed on the Fox show, the Fox TV show, Laughs. Uh, he's been all over SiriusXM, Channel 99, Raw Dog Comedy. He's appeared in movies. Uh, I mean, I'm just really excited to interview you. I mean, it's cool. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. And as always, we also have like 50 dogs in the studio, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm so excited to talk to you and kind of grill you. I went all the way back into your history to, um, well, I don't know how far back this is, but 2009, you mm -hmm. played in an actual serious band. Yeah. Kung Fu Grip. Kung Fu Grip. Uh, I have s the first album reminds me a lot of Foo Fighters. Yeah, I was that was a big. Foo Fighters were a big influence. Nirvana, Foo Fighters, and the Pixies and stuff like that. Yeah, I love it. It's it's uh, it's really good. And then, I was gonna ask you though because the first Kung Fu Grip album comes out in January two thousand nine. The second album comes out in January two thousand nine. Oh, Did is that how it's listed? Yeah, oh. is that just listed like that, or is it? It must be. I think the first one was uh, two thousand six, or like it might have been right at the end. It might have been two thousand early two thousand seven. Uh, and then the second one, and I played all the I played all the instruments on the first one. What? It was all uh, me doing doing everything. And then the second one was uh, me and one other person, uh, Ricky Wells. So but we, he just did like a few parts, right? It was uh, mostly. It was still a lot of it was me. I played all the drums. I did all the lead vocals. I did all the rhythm guitar parts, and then I did some of the bass. And he did a good amount of bass parts. He did all the lead guitar. I think there's one song on that album that I played all the instruments, but uh, but we worked together. Like we demoed that album and we worked on the arrangements together because that was it. It's, it turned into a, a band, you know. We, yeah. There was like a but uh, right. So when you like, I'm guessing you did some kind of album release and toured, or maybe didn't tour but did shows with this band. Yeah. How, are you able to? I'm guessing you're not able to play all the instruments live, <laughs> right? So what do now you do? Just recruit friends. Uh, yeah, I had I had him. So uh, he, Ricky is my cousin. So we grew up uh, playing music together in a, in a couple other bands, and uh, so he he was a part of it. And then uh, the rest of the lineup was like it was always changing, but it was always like friends that I had met through other musicians, just people in the scene, or like looking up. Uh, I guess sometimes it'd be Craigslist or something. You right. know, just looking for. Drummers are the hardest. A the drummers good, are always drummer. the hardest. Yeah. I feel like in every scene there's like two drummers and they're yeah. just... And it was me. I was one of them. Yeah, and they're just hiding <laughs> from everybody because everybody's like, please play for us, play for yeah. us, play for us. And you can get the good drummer if you can pay or if the band has some buzz or something. Right. But it was real hard. So eventually for the last maybe year that that band existed, I switched to being the drummer and the lead singer. So when we did oh, shows, I'm always so impressed when people do that because I feel like the drumming takes so much body work. Yeah. So like, how do you maintain your <laughs> breath and everything? It just seems exhausting. Yeah, you. I mean, you sacrifice a little bit because I play. I'm, I hit hard when I drum, so it's a little. You sacrifice a little bit, 
But it's like anything. It's like um, you know Beyonce dancing and singing or something like That's that. True. It's like I mean not not to compare myself to her. <laughs> yeah. But but it's like you do have some luscious hair. <laughs> 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 but it's a similar thing. You're gonna sacrifice a little bit of what you're gonna be able to do vocally, but it's more about the live. Sh I mean the live show is not about singing everything perfectly yeah. and, and I screamed a lot more then that was a oh bit yeah of a the, both those um, albums are like super rocking <laughs> which is like really funny because the next album you put out in 2010 which is only yeah. a year later was uh, <laughs> aches and pains it was a concept record and it's a lot slower yeah and it's uh, it's just a very different style you really can see more of like your range and that you're able to do multiple right, yeah. types of music it's like more folky that was more uh influenced by like the eels and, yeah. and, and uh bands like that yeah kind of anti-folk but kind yeah. of still punk or indie yeah know? yeah like hopefully you can hear that i that i like all those other kinds of things but it was definitely more of a uh laid back kind of supposed to be a little bit sad that, I was writing that album while the breakup was happening. So I was writing oh, it wow. and recording it. She must have loved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but usually people wait, you know? Yeah. But it's like essentially the demos that I was recording while it was happening is what the album is. That's honestly usually when I write music. Especially yeah. like not, like serious music that's not comedy music. It's when something really hard is going on. Yeah. That's always how I got through hard times. Yeah, that's the same here. I mean, it's just a, such a comfort to get it out in some kind of rhythm so that it's not just sitting in your head yeah. like this catastrophe, you know? And it feels like when it's all over, it feels like there it's was done. a purpose for it. Yeah. yeah it's done and, and, and uh, it doesn't feel like you just had a, a crisis for no reason. Exactly. It's, you know, you turn it into something that you could see as a positive thing. That's uh, what's then you jump straight into. Is that when you started stand up 2010? I think it might have been 2011. 2010 was like the in-between where I was still, I was starting to do like all these solo acoustic uh, performances where it was, it was like half of those uh, breakup songs and then I was also working on uh, my fake kids album. So I was doing, I would just, for no reason, just go from a song about heartbreak to go to doing like some weird uh morbid kids song that's gotta be cathartic was, though yeah because you don't want to focus like you don't want to become completely enveloped in heartache <laughs> and turn out like elliot smith yeah like, i think it's good to have a little bit of like bitter sarcasm yeah, punched and in there and then move away from it it has more impact that way too i mean like a funny song is going to seem funnier after a sad song and then a sad song is going to seem sadder after a funny song so. yeah and if you can blend the two would you put them on the same album uh i don't know well, as far I, as like the albums i went through personally through your yeah. website and everything uh, they seemed very like i i don't think secular is the word to use here <laughs> but they seem secular like they seem separated yeah like comedy albums are comedy albums music is music blah. i like concept albums it's, I, it's I actually love concept albums too. Our last guest yeah. uh, had a concept album as well. What what was the? Uh, I think it was suicide. Suicide. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Suicide but, breakup. You know. But uh, chicken yeah. and the egg. The, yeah. Which, which one, one comes <laughs> first? <laughs> <laughs> but a concept album is like the only. If you make a concept album, that's the only reason anybody has to listen to an album all the way through, because. Uh, 
I, people don't really listen like that anymore. So if you're not putting out something as a concept album, you're not really giving anybody a reason to to want to listen to it all in one sitting. Right. And I just like, I don't know, it's for me, those well, are always the most fun albums to listen to. I feel like that makes so much sense for you because I actually know you from the comedy scene and storytelling. So it's like incorporating both of those things. You get to yeah. tell a story and you get to play music. Yeah. Yeah, which has been great. As I, I didn't, I wasn't really that focused on making new music for the first bunch of years that I was doing stand-up. I just wanted to get better at writing jokes. And now, I feel like I got to a point where I'm, I, I know what my voice is, and uh, so now I'm starting to, in the last like year or two, I've been working on more music. And I wasn't even writing uh, serious music for that time either. I was like, just totally focused on comedy for like five years. How long did it take uh, you to come up with songs for children that to uh, that was that it started as a as a it was just funny song titles that I would come up with with uh, my friends uh, around that time like 2010 or whatever and I came up you know, we, were, we were all coming up with with so many titles that eventually I was like well why don't I just write this album I'm, <laughs> there's no reason not to the ideas are there it'd be kind of interesting to see if I could because uh, I'd never really written songs based on titles before with serious music. So I, so I started doing that. Uh, and it happened pretty quickly, I think. Maybe, you know, maybe six months or something. I was writing them and, oh, and wow, recording that's, them that's in impressive. my, in, I thought in that, my room. I thought that must have taken, like... You recorded all of that in your room? Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah, but uh, I'm guessing you tracked every instrument yeah. separately and then mixed them together. Yeah, I would. I think most of them I recorded with like to, to like a metronome, and then I would either put drum loops on it or there's some real drums on there that I played. Um, but yeah, I, I did everything in my in my apartment, all the vocals and all the guitars and stuff, and uh, and uh, yeah, it, it happened pretty quick. It was like those songs were pretty easy. For me to write, I don't know why, but they're just there was. Uh, I made. I wanted to make it a rule too, or just in my mind, I thought it would be funnier if the songs were. There's nothing inappropriate, really. It's there, there's no cursing or there's no like sexual references or anything like that. Like all the songs are, they're inappropriate for kids because they're just real. Yeah. And I thought that would make them funnier because anybody could do a fake kids album and have the songs be like, fuck you, whatever, right. or, um, or whatever it is. But I thought it would be really funny, w much funnier uh, if it didn't do, like sort of uh, like Ren and Stimpy was sort of a kid's show, but sort of inappropriate for kids, but not really. Right. And it was funnier because all the weird stuff they had to do, they still had to make it fit into the guidelines of what's appropriate for TV and for kids that age, whatever age range, you know, for Nickelodeon. So uh, stuff like that I always thought was, if you have some limitations like that, it makes it funny, like more clever. You have to be cl yeah. more clever to, to get the joke out, so. To keep it in that box. Yeah. It, um, one of my favorite songs from I think it was Kung Fu Grip was a song called Cynical oh, yeah. that you wrote and the lyrics are about just being a cynical person and yeah. I'm totally a downer <laughs> as well so it made a lot of sense to me that 
after Cynical, you came up with this idea of songs for children to yeah. cry to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all this, like, your goldfish is dead, like, yeah. all this. <laughs> yeah, your goldfish is not in heaven. Yeah. Adoption blues. It was all very, uh, very dark. Everybody dies. Just Everybody all, dies. Yeah. All terrible. Everybody dies was another one that was one of my favorites because <laughs> I was like, it's so true though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of uh, along the lines of that. Everybody poops book. Yeah. Like, Everybody dies. So. I mean, you're teaching these kids very valuable lessons yeah. right here. Not necessarily fun lessons. Not fun, but stuff they're going to learn anyway. I, I, it was awful when I figured out that we're all going to die. <laughs> when yeah. I was like six or seven, I was terrified. And just all of a sudden strikes you, you're like, ah. Yeah. This isn't forever. No, this isn't. And then and then it happens again when you're like an adult, then you realize again. Like every time you realize it gets like more real. I think I had my first existential crisis when I was like five or something. I just yeah. remember crying hysterically on like a couch they had me laid out on and looking yeah. at the ceiling and being like why am i here i don't get it <laughs> but like no why am i even thinking this why am i able to even they say a part of your brain develops that allows you to understand the concept of death at that age oh, oh yeah like around five around six five or six all children understand death that's oh so i'm not a genius it just <laughs> it's just the way the brain develops <laughs> but it's different because i mean as a kid, uh, I think most people uh, probably still believe in some kind of God, right? Yeah, that's So true. even though you're like, I'm going to die, you're like, eh, it's, you know, at least I'll be in heaven or whatever. And then later on, as a, like closer to being an adult, whatever it is, later teens, early 20s, when you realize again, like when you have that moment again, but then you're like, uh, oh, but there's no, but I don't believe in God anymore. So now I'm going to die and it's just going to be, that's it, that's it. I and honestly am different. so much more comfortable, was so much more comfortable when I realized there wasn't a heaven and hell. <laughs> was, I wouldn't want to go to heaven and I wouldn't want to go to hell. They both yeah. seem too extreme. Like, yeah. you know, like, so let's you just, would get used to either one. Uh, I guess eventually. So you're saying you would eventually be bored in heaven if heaven oh, was Oh, I think I asked that in Sunday school, and they were like, no, because the devil finds new ways to impose pain on you at all times. And I was like, God, you guys allow no joy. No joy. The only joyful thing you came up with was like a lie about a fat dude breaking into kids' house. Like, <laughs> I say 10,000 years of torture, and then nothing impresses me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I've seen it before. All right. 10,000 years of torture, so you're in the open mic scene? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> That's what hell is. It's just being on an open mic, and you keep getting bumped. Yeah. You just have to host an open <laughs> mic that never ends. You have to host it. <laughs> oh, God. It never ends. Oh, and it's like one of those three-minute creek mics, like the one I host. So, like, you don't even get to do jokes. You just have to read the names. Ugh. And they're always like, you read the name wrong. Hosting yeah. a bucket mic. Yeah, I just gave Back myself, like, such a heart attack thinking that that could even oh. be a possibility. I Yeah, I hosted a mic when I first started for, I don't know how long it was for, maybe a year. Yeah, I hosted Terrible. when I first started. And then I just started hosting again with, like, a bunch of other comics so we can switch in and out. Oh, well, that's good. Just to try to get myself, like, to actually go out and do comedy again. But at least you're doing it at the Creek. That seems like a cool place to do that. I was doing it at Eastville. No. On, like, a Monday night. I'm not, no. That I'm wasn't sorry. Reward. <laughs> yeah. There's no reward there. There's no reward. It's five minutes. Yeah. That's, 
Yeah. That was And people that take those Eastville mics and stuff. Well, Eastville's changed. It's gone now, now, but it But was, they used it was, to take so. it so seriously. All yeah. of the club mics, they take yeah. so seriously. Oh, yeah. But when I first started, I thought that those people hosting the mics were important. I thought that they worked at the clubs and that the mic was like an extension of, you know, I thought that was the way into clubs. But they're just other performers being used yeah, just it's as just, you are. It's not connected at all. No, and not I, at all. I did, it took me a, a little while to realize that. I was like, man, i got to make friends with these people. That's, that's how, well, that's if how you, you do, do it. you might get up faster. But <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You get your name I didn't say that. <laughs> no one is supposed to admit that, ever. It's, but everybody knows. <laughs> it is... Uh, Um, all right, so you have such a f career. I have to get back to that. So much going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were just explaining the comedy records EP to me because uh, oh, yeah. that comes that came after songs for children to cry to. So mm -hmm. basically, when you did songs for children to cry to, you got a lot of uh, steam with D is for divorce. Like you were on the Fox show laughs. Yeah, all of that. When did you decide you wanted to shift back into stand up, or mm. what made you? back into well the whole time so i had that kids album and and i was doing those songs in my i had like at this point um what is it maybe about a year a year after that kids album came out i, I guess is when i started doing stand-up and then i was really focused on just getting better at writing jokes and performing and uh i would do songs from that album here and there uh but I wasn't really writing any more funny songs or, or, or anything like that. Uh, and then, um, so the Fox thing happened. And then um, Comedy Records asked me to do an EP. Uh, they said like 15 to 20 minute thing, just a live stand-up set. And uh, so I did, a, I did a 40 minute set and I cut it down to 17 or 18 minutes. Is it like uh, jump cuts or you just picked whatever? Um, I picked, I, I edited it because I was, I was a, that was, I was a video and sound editor when I had a day job for uh, like a, a six or seven years. So, uh, so I edited it to sound seamless, um, but it's, it's not. So I, I think I think I did a pretty good job. I don't think you can really tell where the cuts are. No, you definitely can't. Um, but I only got to do one show. They didn't let me do. If it was if if I could have done two shows, I probably would have just picked whichever one was the was the best. But but I did one and I cut it down from forty to to seventeen or whatever. What did you just pick? Whatever jokes hit the hardest. Or? Yeah, sort of. The joke. Some of the jokes that I thought were going to be on it, like some of the ones that I was excited about at the time, didn't didn't work as well. And so I just sort of. Uh, uh, mostly I didn't change the order, but I changed the order a little bit, and then I, I included just the ones that got the best laughs, because uh, there's only like 30 people at the recording, yeah. so if, if they weren't all on board, oh, no, it it's, didn't sound it's, great. It's so funny, I don't know if you've seen this, but Comedy Central has this, uh, com it's like follows comedians around the city doing gigs, Oh, Yamanika, yeah. Sanders oh, I heard did about it, this, Casey yeah. yeah, yeah, Rosebud, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Christina was like in it. For a little while, Christina Galston. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, I heard um, people talking about this. But I, yeah, but I it's, seen the crew, it's hysterical because they shot like Yamanika doing stand up at the Creek, and it shows the Creek stage. Yeah. And then when it goes cuts to the audience <laughs> laughing, they're 
there's a brick wall behind them, so it's definitely not the Greek audience. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they the, must have sliced in another venue oh, or something, because you know funny. the Greek can get pretty empty sometimes. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I just always, I thought that's that was hysterical. Funny. But I didn't want to add laughs on my album. I mean, I think maybe some people do that. But I didn't want to add any, so I just figured, you know, I'll just, I'll just edit like, out the stuff that doesn't work. And it's that's like fine. the app I have, like, <laughs> that doesn't really sound like someone loved your joke. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds more like the ice cream man's finally coming <laughs> or something. <laughs> but that's a weird time frame that they gave you, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Were you part of a showcase or on an album or something? Uh, so they were releasing albums and then also these EPs for some reason, and uh, they they wanted me to do an EP. I guess it's some they could put out something, but they don't have to. I guess I don't. I don't really know what the purpose of the of the EP was. Why why they uh, didn't want a full length thing. But I was happy to do just do whatever. You know, they approached me. I, I think at that time I, I didn't even really feel ready to do. Uh, I wasn't looking to do a full length uh, stand up album. I was still sort of finding my voice. And well, and that's that's an that's a. People don't realize how much work it is. Yeah. So for you to be putting out like records before that and everything, it's like yeah. when would you have had the time to hit that <laughs> many stages? Yeah. And now, so I don't really even do. There's maybe one joke on there that I still w would do. I don't. I mean, if I'm doing like an hour, maybe I would do one one of the jokes. But pretty much, I don't know. It's hard because I'm not. I'm not embarrassed by anything on there, but it's not—it's not like a great representation of what I'm doing now. I don't think the 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 jokes within that uh, 15 to 20 minute EP. Did you do any songs? I just did the one. I did. I closed with uh, "Dias for Divorce," um, and I think that was the only song I did. Um, yeah, that's the only. So, but it's cool that I. I'm glad I did it on there because the, now the, the live version of it is is what's on uh, iTunes and Spotify and and uh, Pandora and all that stuff. And I think it's it's cool to have a a, a live version of a comedy song, you know, because that the, the original version was a studio thing, so there's no laughter or anything. But uh, yeah. it's kind of cool to to hear uh, hear the song with the with the laughs. So. I, I don't know, it's cool that it came out, but it didn't really do much for me, uh, other than give me a Pandora station. Yeah, well, uh, that's still... I mean, I don't really listen to Pandora. I'm more of a Spotify person. Me too. But, but I've had a lot of people come up to me, like if I'm on the road or something. Um, I've had... I think I've had nobody come up to me and be like, hey, I saw you on Fox Laughs. But I've had a handful of people be like, oh, I, I came to this show because I heard about you on Spotify. Yeah. You know, not like a whole room full of people, but yeah. <laughs> a handful of people here and there come out if they, you know, they, like they've seen my name on a thing and they're like, oh, I know this guy from from Pandora. So yeah, that's to be like, honest that's with like, you, I didn't even know Fox Laughs was a show. But yeah, yeah, now I don't think, I think it's on some other. Yeah, that must have been, what it, year was that, 2014? Probably around there. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it wasn't like it was competing with any big, uh, uh, TV shows is on Saturday nights uh, at uh, about midnight. Oh, yeah. So no, nothing else really is going on at that time, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was not that was not a show that uh, a whole lot of people watched. It's I don't still think. like it's still a really great performance, and it's funny. It's got Muppets and everything. <laughs> so definitely check it out on YouTube at the very least. Mm -hmm. uh, 
All right, so um, I want to get into your book, your animated oh, yeah, stand-up special, special, whatever else you're coming up with. But first, uh, you said you were going to do a little live performance oh, for yeah, us. Oh, yeah, I could do a live thing. We usually feature two recorded songs and maybe all improv, but I'm just really fascinated to hear what you're working on. You showed up with your guitar, so I'm totally <laughs> going to make you play whatever. I should have. Whatever you've been playing a lot lately. I'm writing a song now. I'm trying to see if I can get the lyrics. Hopefully I'll remember the lyrics, but this is something that I, I wrote this song that I was hoping would be a comedy song, but I don't think it is. It's probably just like, I don't know, it's just a song. <laughs> I just try to, I'll just play it. I don't know what I'll put this on, but this is something that I was working on. Uh, is this gonna, how's this? Is the mic too close to the guitar? Okay. If this sucks, can you edit it? Can yes. I try it again? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Maybe you should play at Tiana so her mic might pick up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll face this way. That, well, this is awkward, though. <laughs> I'm being serenaded. Should we make eye contact the whole time? I'll make eye contact with the googly eyes on your guitar. <laughs> That's why I put it there. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be super delayed, but we'll pretend it's a... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> then, look, it's a chorus of kids. It's a chorus of... Yeah. That's my target audience. I don't know. I think that that had a lot of lines that like made me laugh out loud. Yeah? So that's good. Maybe like more of like a pavement feel, you know, Ooh. where you're just like, damn, this dude's really fucking clever. I, that's a huge compliment. I've been listening to a lot of pavement and a lot of... Uh, 
even getting into his, uh, Steve Malkmus. Uh, and the stuff. Jinx? Yeah, the, the, yeah. They're about to play here soon. Are they? Yeah, I want to go. Trying to get it's tickets. Tough. I've never seen him live, and I've been oh, following him since I, I was a little either. kid. Yeah. Carrot I, Rope. I it sounds hysterical. I, I got into <laughs> Pavement a lot later, because growing up, I was always like, ah, like, it's sort of, it's, I knew they came before Weezer, but I was like, you know, Weezer kind of did it better. With the first, with oh wow, that you sound albums. young when you said that. That's, well, that's, that's something I would definitely say like a few years ago. Well, when well, I no, was a teenager, maybe not. Well, I'm talking about the Blue Album and Pinkerton yeah. when I was like, you know, in high school. I was like, because I always, I love, I love, I love Nirvana, and I and I know that Nirvana was doing what Sonic Youth and Mudhoney were doing, but I fe I still feel like Nirvana was like I prefer what they what they did with that style and so with pavement and weezer it was a s similar thing for for a little bit at least and now i realize i was wrong i and, never uh, really put them in the same category like that weezer and, and pavement yeah like at all i feel like that's definitely I guess what river's poem was trying to do they're uh, maybe they're both nerd rock yeah it's like nerdy uh yeah they were i feel like they were sort of similar but I don't know. But Steve, Stephen Malcolmus is actually an English professor. Oh yeah. Yeah, which I think is that why he's such a good writer. Yeah, his his lyrics are great. Him and uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Jeffrey Lewis. Also, I don't know if you know. His I stuff, actually but, don't know who Jeffrey Lewis uh, is. Sort of like an anti-folk kind of dude who's also like, it's all about just the some of the lyrics are funny and some of them are just the they're all gonna make you think you know they're all clever that's right up my alley i think you i think you like his I, stuff. we're like part of the anti-folk scene here yeah. that's mainly like i gotta get into that kind of, i'm not in any scene that i should i don't do a lot of alt comedy shows i don't do anti-folk shows I just don't do a lot of variety shows I need to I don't I gotta get into that scene you would be a god basically <laughs> like a lot of the anti-folk isn't that good and people still yeah. praise it so cause like that song that I just did probably would be okay in a situation like that if I did that in a comedy club people would be like well where's the where are the jokes There's I wanna a, hear do the, you live around Bushwick yeah I was I, I used to live down the street from here but I now I just I'm in Ridgewood now oh, there's an open mic Tuesday nights at Little Skips it's like all anti-folk I'm pretty sure if you came you should bring merch because people yeah. might even end up purchasing there's like real audience that comes uh, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. a lot of young kids so it's great like oh, I'll go awesome. Uh, we were talking about doing music as opposed to stand-up and yeah. a lot of times you'll I'll go get, there you'll get a fan yeah, yeah. You, I'll go there and do stand-up just because they're like they're like 21 year old scene kids and they're like wow I love that joke about uh, I'm an all-star by Smash Mouth or something you know and they start well at least they have work. good taste yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my best work <laughs> talk about <laughs> profound lyrics yeah, so, yeah exactly no but they they would love that stuff yeah uh, also yeah, if you listen to like every other episode of this podcast it's a lot of local anti-folk musicians yeah that's well. That's good. I got it. I got to I'm gonna ask you more about that later. Yeah, I definitely. I want to get into that scene. Yeah, you you should you should. I want to hear. I want to hear. It'll be fun if you're doing you it too. Go, go do. Huh? Yeah, we met Meth Lab. <laughs> Meth Lab. They're this ridiculous hardcore band. Oh, oh, and this is their cassette. But it's everyone's doing cassettes now. Yeah. Oh uh, well, what they do is they release a cassette and then they put the download code for yeah. the online stream yeah. in it. So it's like you have a keepsake and then comedians are doing that too. I was just in Pittsburgh and there's two two Pittsburgh comedians that I know that 
did the same thing. And then another person that I know, not even related to these two people, who just started a cassette label. So these are all three different. There's yeah, none, cassettes none of those are three coming, are which yeah. is funny to me because they break so easily. I know. Though. I didn't like cassettes when they were. Find things to play them in. Yeah, I didn't like them when you could still buy them. Yeah, exactly. I liked CDs better, but now it's CDs are like it's junk. Nobody wants a CD, and it's really vinyl is the thing. But it's so expensive to have a a vinyl Uh, pressed, and it takes so long. Oh God, I would love to release a vinyl. I know it's one of my dreams. I would pre-sale those fuckers. I know. Yeah, yeah, three months takes three months. Brooke is already pre-sailing his, and it doesn't come out till November. You have to because it takes. That's how long it takes. Uh, I the thing is with me is like I collect comic books, I collect records too, but I can't start buying them because I spend so much on comic oh, books. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I just don't have a budget for another. Collection. I don't have a budget for anything that I want to yeah. collect. I want to have so much stuff, records, and I have some records. You know, even musical. I don't even research uh, music instruments because. I don't want to know what I need. Yeah, <laughs> I can't afford it. Exactly. I, just, I can't do it. No, you'll see people. You'll see these people at mics with like six thousand dollar theremins, and they oh. don't even know how to play it. I know. And you're just like, oh god, please give me that money. <laughs> I could press a fucking album I could with press that. Vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Pressing vinyl is one of my dreams, and recording an album with uh, Steve Albini. Is one of my dreams. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. You should s- start sound. I'm sure no one ever sends him demo pics. <laughs> I just sounded like every suburban well, mom. Send, send him a demo send, send tape. Like you don't even need to. If you can afford him, you can work with him. You just have to go to Chicago and do it in his studio. That's got to be so much money. It's less than you would think, but it's, I mean, you've got to probably have maybe five grand to do yeah. it. Oh, really? That's it? Yeah. For like to get a uh, like a maybe that's like a full day or two for recording and then mixing. uh, I was in a band that recorded with him, but it was before I joined the band. I oh that's so it was like you just missed it. I just missed it by like a couple months. Uh, But that's how I learned all their songs was listening to this uh, album that uh, Steve Albini recorded. Did you come up playing drums in like a lot of bands like? In the music scene around wherever, where did where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up here, so I was playing around. Uh, like as a teenager, uh, I was living in in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and there was like a, in Bensonhurst and then in Staten Island, there were two DIY punk scenes that would sometimes cross over, and so uh, I played a lot of shows uh, just around the city. We pl- I played CBGBs a bunch of times, uh, like got paid you know yeah weekend shows it was, not all of them were weekends but I played there like in a couple of different bands and and uh, I played I just just wherever you know it's just uh, established venues and then DIY spaces and um, just you know playing in punk bands wherever going on the road as much as I could and um, so yeah I played in a lot of bands um, and you mostly played drums drums I'm the best at drums I, but I always wrote songs, so I was always a, like a rhythm guitar player. Right. And you know, I could sing enough to be considered like a rock and roll singer. Yes, uh, I definitely have to ask you how the hell. So you were saying before that you can play all of the instruments live. Mm-hmm. You were telling me about a drum foot pad. Oh yeah. So what do you just hook? You, you must just have like things hanging off every limb. <laughs> like I don't understand. It is. It's every limb. I have these. Uh, 
I used to use this electronic drum set that I repurposed, but now I found these pads that are closer to what I need. That you, they're made for, um, they're made for either sticks or hands or feet. And so I have these three drum pads. Uh, it's a kick, a snare, and a, a crash cymbal. I mean, it could be anything, but that's usually what I have oh, it set to be. Oh, do you program them? Yeah, it has all. The, it has the sounds uh, built in. Uh, I think you can use your own, but they have pretty good sounds already, so I just use what's there. Um, so mostly that's what I use as a setup because then um, it's mostly kick and snare and then I can accent things with a crash uh, cymbal right. or I actually figured out with these pads I can put them uh, two of them touching each other so that if I want I can actually just stomp down in between and I can have the snare and the and the cymbal at the same time so then I can almost sort of do like a, a sort of drum beats where you're like washing on the on the crash uh, while you're playing. So that, that, when I figured out I could do that, I was like, this is amazing. It sounds like I have three legs. I can play all three of these pads at the same time while I'm playing guitar and singing or telling jokes. And uh, so I've done a few shows like that. Um, I don't understand how you keep all the separate lines in your head it's, without it's crossing hard. them. It's you know? hard like, at first, yeah. Like to play the guitar and the drum beat at the same time is just... <laughs> It's uh, when I first was trying to do it, I didn't. I didn't think that I could. Uh, I sort of just had to have it in my mind that that there was no other option. Yeah. So uh, once I just decided I was going to do it, I just uh, I would just practice a little bit every day. I tried not to make it overwhelming, but I would do like at least a half hour to an hour every day. I would just practice uh, just the idea of it, even if I wasn't practicing like a specific song or or anything. It's just like just getting comfortable because at first it was like my brain didn't know what was happening I'm trying to remember words to songs but I'm also trying to sing it in the right key I'm I'm trying to get my fingers to do the right things and then trying to get my feet to play the right rhythms and at first it would just be like as soon as I would try to come in with the drums or something everything would fall apart as like a total train wreck but I mean uh, even, over time, even singing and playing guitar took me a little while yeah yeah, but maybe I mean, I was it was much younger when I had to figure it out. But I just remember. <laughs> but that years. might be. Yeah, Sean has a really hard years. time with it. A lot of people do, and a lot of people when they would see me singing lead and playing drums, that was the thing they said too. They're like, "How do you do that? That's like insane that you can, you know, you're using all of your limbs and then you're singing too." So it could have been easier for me because I had a lot of experience uh, doing. Uh, either of those, you know, playing guitar and singing for years and then playing drums and singing lead for like a couple of years. So yeah, it was like an exponential lesson yeah. build up. Yeah. So when I tried to put them together, at least like those skills were there somewhere, just not as, as I never tried them all together. We had know, another so. local band on the podcast, True Dreams, and the drummer sings in that too. And it's yeah. a female and she actually sings very softly. Yeah. Which uh, like... If with the code hangers, Rusty is a drummer who sings too, but that's more like screaming, you know, yeah, it's louder. Yeah, that's a little easier, yeah. Which but I think is a little easier. I can't imagine like quietly singing while you're like, you yeah. know, just hammering away on the drums. Some nuance gets lost when you're just performing live at all. You know, quiet, quiet, singing quietly was always harder live. It's so true. You, especially when you're playing in like punk venues because you don't get monitors. You can't even... If you're playing, if you're in a loud band and you're trying to sing something that's a little quieter over some loud music, you can't hear yourself at all. So that that was always the struggle. That was why all my early bands were were so 
loud was because we're playing in these venues where you can't, if you're trying to really sing, you're just always going to sound terrible. I tend to so. feel really uncomfortable doing that anyway. For the reason I was talking to you about earlier, where, like, I feel like I've definitely probably, I've been playing music longer, but I feel like I've logged more time at working on stand-up, and it's just so bizarre after you're doing, like, stand-up, like, five shows a night every yeah. day for years to then go and try to play with a band and see that the audience is just blank face staring yeah. at you. Yeah. Maybe Politely a head watching. yeah, maybe a head nod or two, yeah. but that's it. Like it is weird and I think audiences treat comedy songs like that too. So a lot of times even if they do like it, I will find out about it later. But during the performance yeah. I'm like, "Oh, is this working? Should I just abandon the song and go back into jokes or yeah, How so if you're sandwiched between people who do straight stand-up, you're watching them get such and such many yeah. la laughs a minute, and then you go up there and you're just like, guys, it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they don't want to, sometimes they don't want to miss anything. So they, they, it's a weird thing. Some people don't like comedy music, and some people, I guess, don't know how they're uh, expected to behave. And so it is a weird, and it's also weird, too, because sometimes I'll do a set where I'm do I try to do both in the same set and the transition from one to the other is always a little weird because they get used to a certain kind of rhythm and then you completely change it up which I guess would be the same as like if a storytelling comedian tried to all of a sudden do one-liners or if a one-liner comedian all of a sudden broke into a story you know you'd be like what's what's happening this yeah. is not what I've been trained there, for the, the last few minutes there's a way to do it but it's a slow build you can't just jump in from one to the other you know you can't uh, I try to well, if like if I'm working on if I'm working on new songs and I want to do them I'll try to fit them even if it's just a 10 minute set sometimes I'll try to but, oh, but you have to acknowledge it so I always have I always like have to tell them like hey I'm not gonna sing anymore I'm gonna and then try some jokes and you just have to like acknowledge that the it's going to be a weird thing yeah and kind of make fun of yourself yeah make fun of it. it i try to make a joke about it you know make it you know talk about whatever just have to have a funny line you know and then it, then then they get a little more comfortable but you can always tell a crowd will they always like one more than the other i think yeah yeah it's, uh, yeah definitely but like you said, you never realize with music till you mm -hmm. go home. Like, I'll get a message like, oh, we love Sassy Girl or whatever, <laughs> which is a song about a dog. But you don't realize when you're performing it. It's yeah, it'll be later if they talk to you after or if, like, yeah, they if somebody message reaches you online, out to you. Yeah. Something like that. So that's the struggle. So this brings us into your, you don't, uh, so the idea of Unnecessary Robots, the podcast, mm -hmm. at least, it's also a meme Which group. is a great name. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've very much feel like one a lot of times <laughs> but it's because I think as artists or creative people even if we don't want to create things we literally feel like we have to like yeah. it's an automatic oh, thing yeah. within us I, I have to I can't not yeah if you do you just go completely insane yeah just depressed all yeah the time. and empty and feel like you have nothing yeah but so a lot of our guests dabble in multiple things and you are one of those because on top of stand-up and music you also do cartoons and you Cartoon have a published it. book yeah it's a book uh, it's uh and it has drawings in it it's got, yeah it's got like one panel drawings which is uh um something that I grew up reading the Far Side comics, and I always wanted to. When I was a kid, I just wanted to be Gary Larson. I wanted to be a, 
yeah. uh, a, a, a cartoonist. I, I wanted think, to for be Bill time. Watson for yeah? ever, the Calvin and Hobbes guy. I yeah, Calvin and Hobbes is cool. I but you know I was but I was a Far Side kid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I always wanted to do it, and and I I was I th I was pretty good when I was a kid. I was like talented enough at, at drawing, but then I got into music, and I never really got any better. So I still draw like I did when I was a kid, but I I like that I like that style. Though. Yeah, I tried to make it look That's like charming. it was the style as opposed to like here's the best I can do. If you try to if you just embrace it, then it's, it's fine. Charming and it matches your songs for children to cry to. <laughs> it's like that Thanks. that kind of aesthetic yeah. basically. Not so that your cartoons make children cry, but maybe but they, they might. might. Yeah, yeah they, they, I, they don't not make them cry. Yeah. Is that a book mostly short stories, essays? It's well, it's it's all those. There's there's a chapter of uh, of like the one panel comics. There's some chapters are like uh, sort. They're like fake essays. Like most of the most of them are not written uh, as me. It's like just a like as a character. Right. Uh, there's uh, chapters. Uh, there's there's like short story things. There's like there's some jokes that uh, uh, like w one liners. There's like haikus. Like oh, hi I did haikus. a series of haikus too. Yeah. I have so much fun doing those. Haikus are so fun. The, I I'm surprised more people don't screw with that format. It's I know. Just, it's just a lot of fun to mess with. And also sometimes I'll say things out loud and I'll be like, oh my god, that's. Five seven five. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like it because it's a, the same thing with like restrictions. You know, you have these guidelines, and that's what makes it funny. It's like if you were writing a funny song, it would have to fit the, you know, the the, the line would have to fit the melody, and you'd have to rhyme or whatever. So uh, you don't have to rhyme in a, in a haiku, but you do have to stick to a certain amount of syllables. So that, that it, then it's like about being creative within those yeah. boundaries, which it's I, a fun I like little that. Yeah. challenge. Yeah. You know? So I, I like it. So that's what the, every chapter is a little different in the book. There's like one chapter has drawings, but it's part, I tried to do like a fake Dr. Seuss kind of thing. Oh, great! So it's like the, the drawings go with the whole this whole story, and it all rhymes like a like a like a Dr. Seuss sort of uh, uh, cadence. I was what I was trying to do. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I absolutely love books. So yeah, order. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of books, books here. Books and comics, <laughs> which also you have. Okay, so this I have to ask about. Yeah. Probably the best idea I've ever heard. It runs. A, that's not to compliment you. <laughs> I can't wait for what, <laughs> it, the, what this is. It runs. It runs along uh, the lines of Doctor Katz. You did an animated stand-up special. Yeah. How long? It's thirty minutes. It's that's a lot of animation. You, uh, you yeah. Did you do the actual animation yourself? Or? I did. I, I did everything. Oh God. Everything. I Actually, don't understand how you have this much time. I don't either. Animating well, a thirty-minute. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It, it was a lot. It was so I started working on the book and then I stopped working on the book for a while to and then I worked on this and then when I came back to the book I was so much better at drawing. That, that that was sort of what was holding me back. I was waiting for oh. like the, some of the drawings weren't coming out how I wanted, and um, so then when I came back to the book, it was like so much easier. Yeah, I would guess having to draw every single movement and expression yeah. would make you a little bit better. <laughs> well, <laughs> I tried. So what I did with the cartoon was I figured out the minimum amount of work that I needed to do to have it be considered an animation. <laughs> so it's I there's probably I probably did in in for a thirty minute cartoon I reused a lot of drawings so I probably ended up doing like 150 to 200 drawings for it 
which is not a lot for 30 minutes of animation, but it still took me, uh, still probably, it took me probably about three months to do it. You did that in three months? You, were three you months. using a computer program? I, yeah, I mean, this wasn't like flipbook animation. Not really, but I drew everything on paper, and then I would either scan the image. So, so like, let's say uh, the drawings of me telling the jokes. It would be, uh, you know, there were maybe two drawings of me uh, just standing there in front of a microphone with like a with one like a closed mouth. And then I would do these, I would put cutouts on top of the, the closed mouth for different sizes and shapes and whatever. And so I would scan, I scanned the two drawings of me just standing there. And those drawings were slightly different so that it could kind of uh, replicate the, you mentioned Dr. Katz, that was yeah. like very much uh, what I was trying to do with like that squiggly, the squiggle vision thing. So like the two drawings of me just standing there are slightly different so that there's movement with just me in between lines. And then the cutouts of the mouths uh, on top of the same images, but with the different mouth, it, it looks like there's more drawings than there are. And so I would take those, once they became digital images, then I would bring them into, uh, uh, I was using Final Cut 7. And I would bring those in and then I'd bring the audio in and I would, uh, Try you know try to line it up as best I could and and so that was that was what most of the work was was syncing up the mouths to the to the because uh, there wasn't a lot of movement I uh, it, and and it's me telling the joke and then it will cut to like what's happening in the joke but usually that was just like one image that was it was squiggly but there usually wasn't a whole lot of movement uh, going on did you incorporate some songs into that special too. So the 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 recording is the comedy records EP. Uh, I didn't really get great video of it, and I was when that was coming out, I was like, man, it would be great to promote this with like a video, but I don't really have a great video of it. So I thought I'll animate this, and it's something that I haven't seen. even still. I don't think there's anyone who's put out a full special that's animated like dr cats exists you know there's animated bits yeah. and there's there's other things comedy central i think did something that was like uh shorts where it was uh bits that were animated but i don't think that anybody maybe now but th at that time no, no one had done I, an animated special i think even still there's no 100 percent animated yeah i think comedians like attention too much yeah they're like, no, if they don't recognize me on the, s on the street, <laughs> then what's the point of doing it, you know? Yeah, I think that was that's you know, probably the, the thinking. Yeah, maybe so I are you that put cartoon my, man you I saw doing stand-up? <laughs> I looked pretty close to what the drawing of me looked like then. I don't really look like it now. But, but even but for someone to recognize you on the street, like, it happens, but it's rare. Yeah. Because people, even if they think that you're the person, they might not say anything just because yeah, it's rude. Yeah, it they could won't. be... They misconstrued as rude or whatever. Yeah, so that was a cartoon. They, yeah. they, no one has any idea. But so It would be amazing if some drunk audience member one night was like, Yeah, cartoon! <laughs> You're that man. cartoon guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so like so half of the special is that is the is the uh, the comedy records EP. And then I put like some storyline stuff because I, I didn't want it to just be stand up. So there's like uh, this the, it's thirty minutes because there's like there's like ten or twelve more minutes of, of uh, 
just kind of, I guess, animated sketch stuff. There's like a story building to me, like it's leading up to me doing a special and then there's some stuff after uh, after the special is over. So it's like, uh, I wanted it to have that kind of feel like, it, like you were watching a, a, um, something like Dr. Katz where there's always like another story going on or like the Life and Times of Tim is another uh, yeah. cartoon that I really loved as far as, the, I mean, the animation, but also just the I style of comedy. I actually have to write that down because I was trying to think of the name of that for so like forever. Good. Oh my God, it's such a good cartoon. I wish it was still I do, on. I, just, I have the image in my head, but I just couldn't it's think of a name YouTube. for it. It's yeah. not on the HBO app for some reason, but it's on Is yours YouTube. on YouTube? How do I track uh, yours down? I well, I can send you, I have it like privately on all on YouTube, but I, I should probably just release it now for free because at that time I was trying to get people to buy it yeah. like a five dollar thing. This is like when when Louis you did, did the you thing. Should put it on VHS like yes, yes. <laughs> I should do that. Yeah, a VHS special. But at the time I was trying to like get people to like uh, think of it as a as a special. But uh, I really wish. Um, but it's on my website if people want to pay for it, or I'll send you the free one. I really <laughs> thank you so much. That's uh, I always joke that the only reason I do this podcast is for the free merch. For the free stuff. And yeah. to hear people's yeah. albums before they come yeah, out. Yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> but I do have a lot of cartoons that are free on YouTube and whatever. So okay, if I people are listening. They don't have to. They don't have to pay for stuff, but it'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that people don't definitely pay. checked out your YouTube. I don't know. I buy a lot of stuff off Bandcamp. Yeah, I think I put. I think everything on my Bandcamp is pay what you want with no minimum or maximum, which I think is like I think that's a fair way, because people that want to support are going to support no matter what, and people that are on the fence, they're either going to download it for free or they're going to forget about it. I don't think you really lose a lot of. Uh, I don't think you lose a lot by offering it that way yeah we have know? most of our music is just hanging out on soundcloud yeah and then the band camp we did the same thing yeah because you can stream it you don't actually have to download it so why would you be like well you got it's got to be at least five dollars yeah. for the album just let them pay if they want if they don't want it they're not going to pay anyway i remember just listen to it they'll stream with it. hermit heroes acoustic ep we let out goth eggs we got a so we were like, whoa, someone paid $5. <laughs> we got really, really excited, and it turned out it was our basis. What, <laughs> <laughs> trying to be supportive? Or? Yeah, he was, I guess, trying to give us a little boost or something. <laughs> I don't know. Let's get the ball rolling. <laughs> to be fair, he's not on that album, so it's kind of oh. still. So then not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe no one wants to buy, like, a... He wanted to contribute. But that's nice. <laughs> I like when people want to contribute. It has that's a five-minute rambling song about uh, bronies on it, so I don't see oh, why no bronies. one's bought it. That's, is that the My Little Pony thing? Yeah. I begged my mom to buy me a My Little Pony doll when I was a kid, and she did. Oh, she did? I, I thought you were going to say she shamed you. No, I think she, was, I think she wasn't psyched about it. Yeah. Because, you know, this is the 80s. <laughs> yeah, but like... Uh, it's a different time. I guess unicorns are gender-specific to some... People. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, it was either like. No, she wasn't buying her boy a little girl toy. Yeah. <laughs> she was just trying to make me into a man, you know? Yeah. I, I didn't have a dad, so she was trying to, like, she put me in karate. Yeah. She was trying, she put no, me in no, sports. She was, yeah. <laughs> she was trying to get me to be, like, you know, be, I guess she didn't want me to get picked on. Yeah. So just if I was walking around as a, as a young boy in New York City in the, in the 80s with a, my little pony, I guess. That could have that could have been hard. I think a good but thing to do if you're me. getting picked out 
on is to just learn a hobby and put all of your focus into that. Yeah. That's what I did, and then you just don't care. That's someone's picking on yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, well, that's You're what like, I did oh, later yeah, with well, music, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, I can play the first three chords of a Green Day song on the guitar, so <laughs> you, no one can take me. Can I can go I, home and cry to Adam's song after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this time of your life? Yeah. Or any other. Another turning point. Everybody's graduation song. Yeah, eighth grade graduation for me. I don't know. I can't remember any I other Green Day songs. My eighth grade graduation song was R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. Ooh. Just such a lame song. That is, pretty, <laughs> that is lame, but that was that everybody loved. Or the, what was the other one? It was like that. Uh, I uh, I will remember you. Was that the? Uh, is that Sarah McLaughlin? Oh. Is that, that's, I've, I've never associated that with graduation. I just associate that with, like, dying dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will you remember me? <laughs> so that, was, that was one that was being considered for, the, like, I think we got to vote. Yeah, we for, did too. And there was that one. There was like I forget what the other. It was vitamin C, but I remember oh, the, name of the song. Oh, vitamin C. Yes, yeah, she wrote song? a song called Graduation. Oh, that was, it was the one that genius marketing. They that, released yeah. it right when everybody was graduating. That was my grad. That was my eighth grade graduation song. Yeah. And I was so bummed because I I was I was trying to get it to be the Green Day song because yeah. I I loved. Green Day, I, I think we could vote for Green Day too. I think Green Day might have been my high school graduation song. That was wow. But by that time, well, I don't know how, how old you are. But by, for me, by that time, that was that was already four or five years old. Yeah. People were in. Oh no! Well, it was, but it was still one of the people were still choices. Yeah. yeah. That was a big one. I mean, Seinfeld picked that song. When did that song come out? That came, that was on Nimrod. So that was like ninety-seven. Oh, I remember Nimrod. I think that was about. I think it was ninety-seven. That was ninety-seven. Maybe ninety-eight. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. It was, what is it, Dookie in 94, Insomniac in uh, Wait, 96. Wait, 97? I was in, like, fourth grade. And then I think Nimrod came out in 97, maybe late 97, maybe early. By the time that was a single, it was probably 98. Oh, wow, I had no clue it was that old. I thought that was, like, uh, mid-2000s. No. So I used to play it at home. the Hallmark I worked in, oh. worked at all the time. Mid-2000s, they'd already done American Idiot. Oh, wow, that's right. See, I'm not really that big of a Green Day fan. I, I, I held on for a long time. I saw them live <laughs> once at Jones Beach, and I wasn't impressed, and it kind of, like, turned me but off. But here's the thing. I, I've seen them a bunch of times, and the, the last time that I saw them, it was, I mean, it was years ago, but it was, it was when they were doing arenas already, and uh, it's much less fun to see them in an arena. That's what I said to my friend yeah. at the time. I was like, I feel like this is a band that's meant to play a small club. It was so great. I saw them at Hammerstein Ballroom. That's and, honestly... Uh, like small like clubs yeah that's like, honestly why I wasn't so impressed because we were like all the way in the back of these arena no. stages and he's playing to the front of the crowd like squirting yeah. them with water guns and we're just like but well, what about us Billy Joe I, yeah 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 <laughs> well, but I, I can't it's do. the same with the Foo Fighters <laughs> yeah like, I saw them at Roseland I saw them like smaller venues you know and then I saw them at you know, in, in gigantic venues too. I've seen like both of those bands. I've seen live a bunch of times. Dave Grohl is such a god, though. He's great. I mean, I don't want to listen to their new shit. Oh the, yeah, the last like four albums are bad. The, yeah, I don't. I don't really like admit that those happen. Oh, I try. <laughs> it, it's hard. It gets harder. Like this is the same with Weezer. I yeah. love the Blue album. I love Pinkerton. I, everything else is a piece of garbage. But with the Foo Fighters, I still stand by those first three albums. I think are pretty great. I would yeah. still listen to them now. And then there's a couple after that that are like fine, that I don't mind. And then after that, it gets hard. I think it was after the 
Learning to Fly song. Yeah. That like after that album, I was kind of like Meh. that. Yeah, that was their last great album, I think. That yeah. Was, I think it's great all the way through. And then the one after that was uh, One by One. I had like All My Life. And, yeah, uh, that's the, the one I'm yeah. not that into. When they're like As throwing the stuff off the bridge. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. As an album, it's not great, but there's some really good. There's some some of those songs on there are some of the best songs they wrote, but yeah. but the album's not a great album, and they even feel like it, they they weren't really ready to put out an album. They said it; they don't really play a lot of that anymore, and they were like pretty uh, disappointed with it later. I t I tend to listen to albums the way you were talking about, like start to finish. Yeah, if I can. That's why it's hard we, to like bands like that. We took forever to figure out the orders of our songs. Yeah. Okay. That's how I'll it should be. Oh, we got But the reason why we took forever is because we have like comedy and serious on there, so it's like weird yeah. to go from like brownies to like this existential crisis. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> People should think about it like that because an album should not be just a collection of random songs. That's, no, that's a playlist. Yeah, an album should be an album. It should you should think about it uh, the way that it flows, and I even think about it uh, uh, as like. I think about albums almost like they're records. So I think about what like side one and side two would be. So you have like a you know you put them in an order for like what is the first half, and then the second. So it's you try to think of it as like beginning and ending twice. You right. Know? Uh, which like a story. Like a, yeah. You remember I, the hidden tracks they used to have on yeah. CDs? I always wish I always want to do wait. that again. You yeah. just have to wait like fifteen minutes, and then Alanis Morissette's like a cappella like. Oh. Yeah, remember the, that one? The, I went to the, your room. Yeah. You weren't home. What was Such a like, creepy song. Would it be? Something yeah. like, like uh. Would it be weird? <laughs> that was it. It's <laughs> a cry in your shower. Would you forgive me? That that's what it was. That song's <laughs> like to David <laughs> Folier, to Uncle Joey. She's and he's like, like, cut it out. Yeah, he's like, like, get out of here. Cut in your shower. You have to like wait seven minutes for a, a, an acapella crying in the shower shower song. Just but it's silence. so worth it. So worth it. So worth. I thought that was so deep when I was like nine. Yeah. I was like, "Geez, Alanis, you did it again." I never knew why <laughs> she didn't just have a guitar going for that. I was like, "Why? Why isn't there music?" She this had to be, be as dramatic as fucking possible. She's great. I like Alanis Morissette. That I, that I album. Did too. That was a good album. She's a good songwriter. I also liked her Canadian pop star days. You know, I don't know a lot about that era. I know that it existed, but uh, I, I don't know the material so well. A lot of mall bangs. She had bangs, yeah. She had that... Teased uh, bangs. Yeah, the frill bangs. Yeah. That looked like you're a dinosaur or something. <laughs> that was very big. Crystal then. from Roseanne bangs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was the number one rocker of those. Oh. All right, so I hate to end this because uh, so I love much. you, and it was so interesting. You have like such a long discography, uh, <laughs> and I'm you so prolific. Dabble in so many different arts, <laughs> just films no. and things, all kinds <laughs> of things that we didn't even. Let me just keep sucking up to you. Yeah, I didn't even get to the fact that you were in a movie with Abby Elliott, and you, you guys like, can just have, check like out his seconds. IMDb or check it out. I have a film coming out in a few months too that I just did. Oh yeah, do you have a short film and a web series too? Oh yeah, I have that. The short film, and then uh, yeah, that's every, that's all on my website, anthonycapfer.com. And but I just finished shooting a feature film that my friend wrote. Is that gla me. glaring silence? That was gla uh, glaring silence is a short film. Uh, that I wrote and directed 
and I'm sort of working on trying to figure out how to turn it into a feature film. But I just shot this uh, film that my friend wrote called Mute Date, uh, which is kind of a cool, it's like a sci-fi comedy. Oh, that's my favorite genre. But it's, uh, yeah, but it's also like he shoots, he, all, he has a few films already, and uh, they all look like art films. Like he's very, he, he wants them to look good. So it, it looks like an art film, it's funny, and it's got a sci-fi are you thing. already shooting that, or are you just, we just writing finished. it? We just finished oh, shooting oh, it. Oh, you finished shooting it. And he's editing it, and oh, that's he's going to put it in. The funnest part is the hours and hours and hours of editing yeah. he has ahead of him. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. It should be his goal, I think, is to have it out by the end of the year, put it in festivals and, and things like that. And so. what, do you guys have a title for that yet? Uh, it's called Mute Date. Oh, you just said that. Sorry. And so, I don't know, I guess my website or something, I don't know where the announcements will be for that. But I'm sure I'll tweet about it and put it stuff on Instagram and all that. Are you working on any more music or? I'm working on a, a I know new album. I know you said you were trying to focus on stand-up a little bit. Yeah, more. well I've been focusing on, on, on stand-up a lot, but I'm trying to do the one-man band thing a lot more. And so I'm putting out an, I'm finishing recording an album that will be called uh, Comedy Songs Are Not Funny. And uh, which will be like half songs that I sing and uh, half musical pieces with like my one-liners that are, uh, you know, like uh, spoken word lyrics. Oh, I love doing that. So, yeah. Sort of like, do you remember uh, um, King Missile, the, uh, the Detachable Penis song? Yeah. Remember that? Of course. So that was... Detachable Penis. Yeah. I'm trying to do like uh, something that's uh, along the, those lines. That's like what I King usually Missile, do so. at that anti-folk mic yeah. I was telling you to come to. I have I gotta go to Joe this. Crow Ryan, who's going to be on the podcast next. He's a big anti-folk person. Oh, nice. He'll play just some weird jazz piano and I'll just do my stand-up oh, to the great. rhythm. Oh, that's funnest thing in the world to do that's really great and i'll do what i'll do is i'll start start out as just stand up and then i'll be like okay you guys suck I, you're all musicians i need music and then <laughs> the minute i add the piano they're like oh we laugh at this yeah <laughs> yeah but it changes it makes it a uh, like a more fun vibe yeah. and it makes whatever you're doing seem more polished you know it's just there's it just adds production value to whatever yeah your i recruited him is. uh whenever i can finally get my hour yeah i'm gonna have him on there yeah that's great. Yeah, I, I love stuff like that. So I gotta come hang with you at this. At this yeah, mic you definitely do. do, do it's, it's it sounds like a good. Really, really fun. It's every Tuesday night. This is good for if anyone lives in Bushwick. Yeah. Little skips. Really fun. So little skips. But but yeah. So so I'm put, so my I'm putting out a, a concept comedy music album. Oh. So it's like and exciting. it's also pretty meta. So a lot of the songs that I sing are aware that they're songs. So and that's what one of the songs that I'm. I guess I'm gonna. You guys are gonna. And the show with yeah. it that I, I'll send you. I'll give you the uh, recording that I did. It's uh, my, this. This is going to be the, the single. We have an exclusive listen there. Uh, yeah. What is um? What's the name of that song? It's called uh, "This Is the Single." This is <laughs> that is very uh, meta. It's very meta. meta. So that you be. are reading a song <laughs> title. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Thank you so much thank for coming you. on and Twitter at uh, Anthony Kapfer K A P F E R. Uh, which uh, yeah, follow me. I, I had a I had a viral thing, yeah, a viral just, tweet recently. So I'm looking to just keep uh, building on my Twitter momentum. But I, I, on this is the best time to follow me because yeah. I'm cranking out high quality tweets right now. There's <laughs> pressure to to reclaim that. Uh, to reclaim that. that. Yeah. You had a yes. viral tweet stolen, and it became a oh. number of memes. Oh my god! It was within a about meme. an hour. What was that like? Ugh. 
That's, That's how the internet works, though. It it's was crazy. nuts. I tweeted a thing, but like it was late night, like not late night, but around six six thirty on a Wednesday, and by Thursday it was fucking everywhere. Yeah. And by Friday it was uh, other people were tweeting. Like it was memes mostly on Thursday, and then that Friday it was tweeted by somebody else, word for word, and that like that went viral for them, and then I was like trying to. You know, let people know that I wrote the thing, and then, yeah. and, then uh, and like a lot of comments yeah. got behind me, and uh, like it was just a weird thing. But by the end of the weekend, it was like back to reality. You know, you have to watch out on Twitter too, because there's actually like bots on there that yeah. are just. I think that's what this was. I, I think so too. I don't too. think it's a real person, but. Um, they but never there's responded. no way of telling, and it's also no. like, why do why do those accounts even exist? But I think this. Well, the I think you can make money. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think they make money though. Oh. Uh, I think there's some way you can make money. If how do you, you have do that? Sponsor the post? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how they do it. I want to know how to make money off I my content. God damn it! Very necessary rules. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. Those are necessary uh, ones. Yeah, those are the necessary we ones. We're the unnecessary ones. We just make the content. Yeah. <laughs> we can learn a lot from these robots. Yeah. So anyway. Be more business minded. <laughs> and evil. <laughs> evil. All right. Thank you so much again for coming on. And we're Thank gonna play you. this new song. I'm excited, yeah. I can't wait to hear it. I hope everyone likes it. And uh, thanks for having me. This is the single, yes it is. This is the single. And you are consumers of my art, listening to my single. The pop song can manipulate. Can really change your mood. I need to trick you into liking it, or my career is really doomed. Don't be rude, make this too really huge. Don't refuse, I need you. You love my single, cause I'm using hypnotic suggestions. No one buys music anymore, but please make an exception. This song is in a major key It's automatically happy And even though I'm making fun of you You just can't help but move your feet Move your feet to the beat In the street, obey me, now repeat Do you love my single? Well, you should Because everyone else does I'm brainwashing you with strategies That are proven This is the end, it's the end of the single